Good to see you this morning, and uh, if you don't know, my name is Josh, and one of the pastors here. Again, welcome to all of you who are with us online. Hey, I hope you had a Merry Christmas. We had a great time uh, as our family opening some gifts on uh, yesterday morning and then heading over to Hannah's parents for most of the day, and uh, it's just just a, a great time of being together and, and enjoying that time. And uh, I hope you got to enjoy uh, something similar as well. Um, you know, uh, this morning, we're wrapping up a series called Generous, and we've been talking this Advent season about our generous God. We've seen a handful of things, haven't we? We've seen his generous gift to us in Jesus. Uh, we've seen his generous nature, just who he is being generous. We've seen uh, the generous contentment that he offers us, where in the midst of any circumstance, whether Paul writes about it, you know, whether well-fed or hungry, living in plenty or want, I found the secret of being content, and it's that I can do it through Christ who helps me and gives me strength. And then last week, we saw God's generous call to be generous like he's generous. Well, a part of that generosity we're going to see this morning is to forgive, and that we're called to forgive in the same way we've been forgiven. Uh, because friend, here's the deal. God so loved the world that he, help me out, he gave. God so loved the world that he gave. And so uh, we're just gonna jump right in today. And um, we're gonna be in Matthew chapter 18. But before we get there, let me pray. Father, uh, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for your generosity to us in him. For the great gift you gave us of forgiveness, of salvation, of eternal life. Father, I pray for each of us today as we, uh, as we hear from Jesus, from his words. Uh, you, you might challenge our own hearts in the ways uh, remembering how greatly we've been forgiven, but also uh, to, to be people who do forgive ourselves and um, to image that to one another, especially to one another. So uh, Holy Spirit, would you guide my thoughts and uh, my words as I teach through your word? Um, might my words be your own and uh, do the work that you need to do in each of our hearts today, I pray. Thank you for Jesus. It's through him we pray, amen. Well, hey, I, I said we're gonna be in Matthew uh, chapter 18 today. So if you got your Bible, you can turn to Matthew chapter 18. And specifically, I'm gonna start in verse 20. One with a parable that Jesus tells. And here's what I'm gonna do this morning. We're gonna do it a little bit different than normal. I'm gonna just kind of teach through the whole passage. We're just gonna work our way through it uh, fairly quickly. And then we're gonna circle back and, and kind of talk through some of the implications of that for our life. Sound good? And normally sometimes we kind of do that all mixed in one. But today, uh, I think we'll do more where we'll just kind of teach through it and uh, listen and learn from this parable. And then we'll circle back. Now, one of the things that Jesus seemed to always be doing is stumping his disciples. I mean, he would say things that they'd be like, what are you talking about? Huh? Is he serious? Do you, do you, don't you, what? Well, today's passage is no exception. Jesus often taught in parables, which are just stories meant to illustrate a spiritual truth. And as he teaches these things and illustrates them, uh, he does it in story because, I mean, especially in that day, people didn't have 
a copy of God's word to take with them and read. So that story stuck with them and it continued to teach them over and over after they had even left his presence. And so I wonder if this story this morning, you'll, you may recognize it, if it might do the same for you, starting in verse 21. Uh, let's read together. You can just read along with me as I'm, as I'm teaching here. But uh, then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often uh, will my brother sin against me? And I forgive him. As many as seven times. Now, uh, when Peter's saying this, we kind of read through it and we think, oh, seven times, not a big deal. But if you were uh, one of the original readers of Matthew's gospel, which he wrote to Jewish believers, showing them that Jesus is truly the Messiah, they would have understood that the rabbis often taught that if you really wanted to be generous in your forgiveness, you would forgive up to like four times. Because if you go back to the Old Testament, there's a prophet by the name of Amos who uh, in Amos, it says that God overlooked their sins, not once, not twice, but three times. So if you would forgive four times, you would really be like God. And so Peter's being really generous in this ask. He's saying, how how many times do we forgive, Lord? How many times do I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Seven times? You know, Peter, we all know Peter. He kind of has a reputation maybe for speaking before he thinks or uh, just speaking kind of boldly. And he's just like, I wonder if he's thinking, yeah, that'd be really generous, wouldn't it, if I forgave people seven times? But look at what Jesus says. Jesus uh, says to him, he said, uh, no. I don't say to you seven times, but 77 times. Now, you might have uh, learned this, and, and there's a little bit of uh, ambiguity in the Greek as it's translated over into our English of whether uh, Jesus said 70 times, seven times, or 77 times. And it's not unsure that ESV goes with 77 because uh, back in Genesis chapter four, if you remember, uh, there had been a murder that had taken place between uh, Cain and his brother Abel. And then uh, it says, if Cain's revenge is sevenfold, Lamech is 77-fold. So in a time back then when um, in those days there was no limit to hatred and vengeance among Christians, Jesus is saying there should be no no limit to our forgiveness and love, 77. I think he's kind of referencing back likely to that account in Genesis. But nonetheless, he's just saying, uh, Peter, you're nowhere close, man. Like 77. I mean, how many of you, you can think of the number of times some people that you've forgiven but have you ever gotten to 77? I'm guessing not. Uh, Jesus is just simply saying, this is, listen, it's, it's limitless how you are to forgive one another and to what degree. So uh, Jesus goes on and he, he says, he starts telling a story um, because they would have been stumped by that. 77, what in the world? Therefore, he says, the kingdom of heaven Now, this is a clue. Okay, Jesus is going to tell us a story that we should pay attention to. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. Now, uh, servants here, uh, a lot of scholars uh, believe that servants likely means like the king's officials. 
So uh, it would have been maybe the, the, the people who were in charge of, of managing his accounts. I mean, a king of a kingdom has, has to manage a lot of people under him and needs a lot of help for things to run smoothly. And so the servants may simply be the officials who served him. And, and for many of them, they would have had money coming through that they collected from, uh, from the people in the kingdom and, 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 and funded the kingdom and all this and that. And the king, for whatever reason, goes, you know what? I think it's time to check in on the officials and just kind of settle accounts here and see what's going on. I think that's likely what's happening. Well, when he began to settle, there was one who was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Does that clear it up for you? That's what you deal in, right? In your bank account, how many talents do you got? Well, talent in the Old Testament was about about 75 pounds of gold. Uh, in the New Testament, um, it, it was a unit of monetary reckoning, or excuse me, the Old Testament, a unit of weight representing 75 pounds of gold. In the New Testament, unit of monetary reckoning, but not really a coin valued at about uh, the equivalent of 20 years' wages for a laborer. So one talent, think, think. Now some of you, you've, God's given you a great job, you make a lot of lot. Some of you don't make much, but add up what that would be over 20 years and then multiply it by 10,000. And that's what this dude owes the king. That's a big amount, isn't it? Well, if you figured, I did a little math for you, if in, in, in modern equivalents, if a laborer earned about $15 an hour at 2,000 hours per year of working, he would earn approximately $30,000 a year. Uh, and a talent then would equal about $600,000. Times 10,000 is a debt of approximately $6 billion. Uh, you able to pay that off? <laughs> yeah, me neither. I mean, it's incredible. And, and so Jesus tells this, and their jaws would have dropped. Like, no way. No way the dude owed that much money. How did he do that? Well, since he couldn't pay, obviously, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. See, in, in, uh, in that day, there were a couple ways to deal with debt. That was a serious thing. And you could either uh, sell everything you have, and if the debt wasn't yet paid, then you yourselves and your family would be sold into slavery until uh, kind of an indentured servant to work all of that off until you had repaid that debt. You see? Well, this guy, I mean, this is a life sentence for him, isn't it? There's no way he's gonna pay off that type of cash over his lifetime, even with the help of his family. So the servant uh, fell on his knees, imploring him, imploring the king. He says, king, have patience with me. Have patience with me. I'll pay you everything. Really? You're gonna pay it all back? Six billion? I mean... I laugh, uh, one commentator made the comment, you know, this guy, his, his mouth probably got him into that much debt, and now you can see him kind of trying to keep himself self out of trouble. Don't worry, I'll pay it back, I can do it. I'll pay it back. Well, um, the other option, by the way, if, if you weren't sold into slavery, was to be put into debtor's prison, and we'll see that here in a moment, too. So uh, out of pity for him, though, the king, the master of that servant, released him, and forgave him the debt. He forgave him the debt. 
Can you imagine? I mean, uh, uh, think, think in your mind for a moment, uh, maybe some of your own financial debt. Imagine uh, it was just totally forgiven and all accounts were reconciled in an instant. Now, think about $6 billion worth of debt. It's incredible. So uh, that's an incredible, incredible amount of generosity and forgiving that debt. But let's, let's see what happens now. Because Jesus continues the story. He says, but when that same servant, the one who was forgiven, when he went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. Now, a, a denarii was about one day's wages. So the common everyday worker, um, uh, take away those maybe who are more wealthy or own land or whatever else, but just the common everyday wage was about one uh, denarii a day. And so imagine a uh, hundred, that's about four months wages. So that's what's owed to this guy who had just been forgiven the six billion in debt. And, and we read that uh, seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. <laughs> now, I don't know what, again, I don't know what you make, but whether you make um, a little bit or you make a lot, uh, what would about four months worth of your wages be in your mind? Now, if you owed that kind of money, that's a significant debt, isn't it? Definitely is. But it's not one that's insurmountable. It's one that over time you could, you could work and you could pay off. It's not like the debt that this guy had had with the king. And, and yet he, he begins to choke him and seize him saying, you need to pay me what you owe. Well, um, his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him. He said, have patience with me. I'll pay you. He could have paid that. Does that line sound familiar? It's exactly what that guy had said when he was caught, wasn't it? When, when he was called to account. He said, have patience with me, I'll pay you. But he refused and he went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. Now, I mentioned there was another way to deal with debt. If it was unpaid, you could put someone in debtor's prison and debtor's prison would have been, uh, you put him, and it's not like, um, I mean, not that prison today is, is anything uh, to take lightly, but in that day especially, uh, it, was, it was brutal, right? And so the hope was that by putting somebody who owed you money, the debtor, in prison when they didn't know it, that hopefully they had enough friends who would rally around that would pay his debt to release him or her, or, or that uh, in, in jail they would finally just sell off what they had to repay their debt and be released, and that, that the, the horror of being there would finally get them to pay it off. So that's what this guy does, the one who had been forgiven. Now, you might be thinking, wow. Well, so were the fellow servants who saw what had taken place. They were greatly distressed. And they went and they reported to their master all that had taken place. They, they told him about this guy. Now he wouldn't forgive. And then his master summoned him. And look what he does. He says, you wicked servant. Uh, it's curious. He, he doesn't say, you ungrateful jerk. <laughs> he, he calls him wicked because he refused to forgive. I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. I forgave you all that debt and 
should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant just like I had mercy on you? And in his anger, the master delivered him over to the jailers until he should pay his debt. Which we know, that kind of debt, I mean, that was a life sentence for this guy. But then Jesus says something, again, right at the end of this that's um, pretty profound. He says, so also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. (laughs) Wow. Talk about a hard saying. That the father would do the same to us if we don't forgive him Forgive our brother from our heart. Friends, what he's saying is forgive one another. Others who are part of the kingdom. Now, I think what Jesus is saying here, and when he says from your heart, the heart in the New Testament, the Bible, is is your whole being. And if you've been forgiven by the Father in Jesus, you've received that gift of forgiveness and become a Christian, then it results naturally in transformation in your own heart to where uh, you learn to forgive like you've been forgiven. And to absolutely refuse to forgive, it calls into question, has, has your heart really been transformed by the king? And that's a question I can only answer for myself and you can only answer for yourself. But it's a good question to ask. I mean, how, how is your willingness to forgive? Is it growing? Is it there at all? See, if, you, if you're truly a follower of Jesus, then you've been forgiven much. And over time, you'll learn as well to forgive. Now, uh, let's kind of circle back and talk about what this means for us. Uh, first, I want you to see, forgiveness is an act of generosity. I mean, this guy was forgiven $6 billion worth of debt. Now, obviously, there's a parallel here, right? A parable is meant to teach us something. And Jesus gives us the clue at the end when he talks about the Father and our own debt and our own willingness to forgive. Well, our own debt before God is insurmountable. Like, I cannot do anything to earn God's forgiveness. I, I, I haven't done anything to deserve his free gift of salvation. And so forgiveness, and, and God forgiving me, and in him forgiving you, I mean, that is, is such a huge act of generosity. And uh, a couple things about that act of generosity is it's, it's totally free to the recipient. So if you've been forgiven, you've been freely forgiven. You didn't earn it. If, if you're betting on the fact that you've worked hard enough to somehow earn God's forgiveness, oh boy, you're sadly mistaken because you cannot earn it. It's a debt that is so huge, you can never pay it off. In fact, you'll be paying it off for all of eternity unless you trust Christ. It's that big. Uh, It's free to the recipient. In fact, uh, Paul tells us the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. All you have to do is receive it. And if you've never become a Christian, it's simple. You just simply receive it by faith and you say, God, I'm a sinner. 
I, I, I have a huge debt that I can't pay off myself. There's absolutely no way. Would you pay it for me? I believe, I trust you, take me. And God forgives you freely. But don't make the mistake of thinking that it was a free gift to God. It's a free gift to you, but it was very costly to the giver. Uh, God paid a lot to give us forgiveness. Jesus paid a lot. In fact, uh, uh, this won't be on the screen, but if you got your Bible, turn with me to Romans chapter five for a moment. I'm just gonna flip ahead a little ways if you're uh, in Matthew, Romans chapter five. And in Romans five, we, uh, we read this starting in verse six. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. While we were weak, at the right time, God, Jesus died for us. Now, Paul gives a little commentary. You know, uh, for one will scarcely die for a righteous person. Here's what he's saying. Now, this can be a little confusing as we read it, as it's translated, but here's the gist of what Paul's saying. You know, um, it's not very often that somebody would die for someone else, even somebody who's a really good person. It's pretty rare that somebody would do that and give up their life for someone. And then Paul even adds a little commentary. He goes, you know, uh, but so perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. So, so maybe once in a while, somebody who's really good, somebody would, would even lay down their life for them. But it's certainly the exception to the rule. But here's what God does. He shows his love for us that not while we were good, but while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He gave his life when we totally didn't deserve it. And it was incredibly costly to him. See, forgiveness is an act of generosity that's free to the recipient and costly to the giver. I mean, Jesus said, uh, I don't say to you seven times, but 77 times to forgive. It's gonna cost something to forgive, isn't it? It costs God a lot to forgive us. It's gonna cost us something to forgive one another. And again, when, when the guy began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him an incredible amount of money, 10,000 talents, $6 billion. It was costly for that guy, for that king. And friends, uh, it's costly for us to forgive. And uh, the reality is though, we need to remember that forgiveness is an act of generosity and God has generously forgiven us. His forgiveness of us is, is incredibly generous. It's out of his generous nature. Do you ever just get tired maybe at sometimes of forgiving people or of giving them another chance or another chance or another chance? God never does that. He never tires of offering his grace to you and to me. The next chapter of Romans that we read in chapter five and chapter six, uh, Paul talks about grace just abounding. And as we sin, God's grace continues to abound to us. Now he says, don't keep on sinning and just taking advantage of that. But that, that grace then should, should change your heart so that you begin to live out who you are. It's incredible, 
Incredible, generous forgiveness. In fact, it's, it's lavish and extravagant. Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, he says, in him, in Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, letting us know where we can be forgiven according to his purpose, which is set forth in Christ. Friends, forgiveness is a, is a big deal in God's word. It's a big deal in the kingdom of God. In fact, it's core to God's kingdom. A- apart from being forgiven, we can't become a part of it. And apart from forgiving others, like God's forgiven us, then it, it calls into question if we're part of it. I mean, it's at the core of what you and I are to do. So forgiveness is an act of generosity, and since God has generously forgiven us, we must learn to forgive each other. We must. I wonder how you're doing at learning to forgive. What's your capacity to forgive? Forgiveness is a big deal. I mean, uh, look with me for a second at Luke chapter six. Uh, Talking about generosity here. uh, Jesus says, give and it will be given to you. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. With the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. You ever go to the candy store and fill up a bag of candy? And you fill it up, and and what happens if it it gets full? um, How do you get some more in there? Shake it, beat it against the counter, twist it, massage it a little bit, and now suddenly you got more room for more candy, don't you? You can fill it a little fuller, a couple more scoops, get it in there. Well, uh, Jesus is saying, man, give, it'll be given to you, and and not just God's just gonna give to you, but he's gonna give you in good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, and it'll be put into your lap for what the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Shaken up, pressed down, God's gonna give so much to you. Now, have you ever heard that verse uh, talking about your giving? You know, that you're to give and then God will give back to you. There's, there's a lot of verses in the Bible about giving, but this isn't one of them. Let's go back to the context of what Jesus is talking about here. First, he says, judge not and you will not be judged. Condemn not and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you'll be forgiven. In fact, to the degree to which you've forgiven, uh, shaken up, pressed down, massaged, filled over, the measure that you forgive will be the measure with which my Father will forgive you. Sounds familiar again, doesn't it? Friends, how are you doing at forgiveness? So as we wrap this morning, I just wanna briefly just work through uh, three things forgiveness is not, and then three things forgiveness is. Okay, three things it's not, and three things it is. So, you know, what does it look like? How does it play out practically in our lives? Because we've seen Jesus say, we're to forgive each other, forgive one another. And uh, let me say, what I'm, what I'm sharing with you, these three things on each side uh, are, are borrowed from uh, another pastor at another free church out in California. And it's just, it's put together well. And I'm just like, you know what? He says it well, so I'm gonna use that. And I just wanna be honest with you. That's, that's where this is coming from. And uh, it's been helpful for me. And so I share it with you. 
First off, uh, forgiveness, let's talk about what forgiveness is not. That way, when we get to the end, um, if we talked about what forgiveness is and then what it's not, you'd end walking out, you know, we'd all kind of walk out, well, I got a bunch of excuses then why I don't have to forgive. So let's get those out of the way and then talk about what it is. Uh, First off, what it's not. Forgiveness is not forgetting. It's not forgetting. Um, You know, sometimes we tend to think that if I forgive, then I just totally forget what has happened. Whether that's uh, the person who's just uh, forgiven, that I'm forgiving because they just annoy me, and they irritate me, and they bother me, and I've had enough of them, or it's the person who's done incredible damage and harm to my life. Forgiving isn't forgetting. Now, the reason sometimes uh, we might think that uh, is, is because scripture uh, passages like this that are really encouraging. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is God's steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us, our sin. And uh, again, in in Micah, he will again have compassion on us. Uh, He will tread our iniquities underfoot. You will cast our sins, Lord, into the depths of the sea. Well, if it's in the depths of the sea, surely it's just forgotten, right? It's over. Now, um, in terms of our accounts with God, yeah, it's, it's done. It's dealt with. But forgiving doesn't mean it forgets. It's not um, uh, like you go to God and uh, you maybe pray about something and you think, God, did you remember that time? I did? He's like, what are you talking about? I don't even remember that. Well, yeah, you do. That time that, that it's like, no, I don't remember that. Like, God doesn't do that. He's not forgetful. He knows all things. He, he, he knows those things. He hasn't forgotten them. Well, then, okay, Josh, what about passages, you know, like Jeremiah, no longer... Uh, shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sins no more. See, he forgets. He forgets them. Or how about uh, Hebrews talks about this as well. Um, Hebrews eight twelve. For I will be merciful towards their iniquities and I will remember their sins no more. Quoting there from Jeremiah. Well, you should know, when the Bible talks about God remembering, it's not talking about him bringing to mind something that he forgot, you know? We read about God remembering a lot. We read about him remembering especially his people, remembering Abraham uh, and Sarah when uh, they wanted a child, remembering uh, his people Israel when they're in slavery. Um, he, he remembers often. In Genesis, early in Genesis, we read about him remembering Noah, you know, and the flood had come and it had rained and, and God remembered Noah. Well, it's not like he had forgotten about him. Like, oh, I forgot about Noah. He's down there all by himself in the ark. What's gonna happen to him? He hadn't forgotten. Rem- remembering in scripture is, is when God says he will remember and that he'll no longer remember our sins, it means that they'll no longer be a focus of his his focus will change. When he remembers, he brings something into focus. When he doesn't remember, it's like, okay, uh, your sins, I, I remember no more. Uh, they've been dealt with. That's, that's no longer an issue. I'm not gonna focus there in the sense of, of a boundary between him and us. Isaiah talks about this. In love, you've delivered my life from the pit of destruction. You've cast all my sins behind your back. 
Friends, God has not forgotten your sin, but he no longer holds it against you. In fact, forgiving is not forgetting. Forgetting is absolutely acknowledging what happened. And then saying, that hurt, that was awful, but I forgive you. I no longer hold that against you. That's, that's what forgiveness is. Uh, forgiving, uh, another thing forgiveness is not, is it's not removing all the consequences. Uh, sometimes uh, we think we've been forgiven and oh, whew, no more consequences than for me. Now, sometimes God is incredibly generous and he does remove a lot of consequences for us, right? Occasionally he does that, but not all the time. And when we forgive, uh, sometimes we, we might choose uh, to not bring consequence against people and totally forgive them. But uh, there might be consequences still in their life because of their sin, and it's okay for there to be consequences. When you forgive your kids, if you have, have kids, you can forgive them and love them and still discipline them with consequences for what they've done. It doesn't change your love for them, it shows your love for them. And in the same way, I mean, think of, of different uh, situations in life. You know, if, uh, if I've um, been a drunk all my life and then Jesus miraculously saves me from my addiction to alcohol, but I've destroyed my liver in the process, um, I don't get a new liver or whether that was some other addiction and I don't get new lungs or if I've destroyed a relationship, I don't necessarily have that relationship totally restored. So it doesn't, it doesn't eliminate the consequences. Uh, there's a passage there you can go read about uh, David and Bathsheba uh, where David was forgiven, but he still had some pretty dire consequences for his sin. So it doesn't remove all the consequences. And then third, forgiveness is not trusting again. Now you might grow to trust someone again, and that's okay, but it doesn't happen at the moment of forgiveness very often. Uh, in that case, trust kind of has to be earned back, doesn't it? It can be lost in an instant, but it has to be regained over time. And depending on the severity of the sin, there's times where, I mean, I, I, I can think of times I've been sinned against and hurt deeply. You, you probably have those times as well. Some of you have them to, to a way greater measure than I do. And when God's calling you to forgive others, he's not saying immediately, so just forget it. There's no consequences for them and just throw yourself right back in and trust them. That's what you should do. That's not safe. Now you might get to that point, but in some cases, you, you never will because that's not necessarily what forgiveness is. Sometimes those things happen and that's a great blessing, but those aren't core to forgiveness, do you see? Now let's talk about what uh, forgiveness is. By the way, uh, uh, here's a verse there from Proverbs. The simple believes everything, but the prudent, he gives thoughts. She gives thoughts to her steps. Proverbs 14, 15. Be, be cautious in trusting again. Hopefully you can. But it comes over time. Uh, so let's talk about what forgiveness is. Uh, first off, uh, forgiveness is refusing to seek my own revenge. That's part of Forgiveness. I mean, somebody ever sinned against you and you're just like, man, I'm gonna get them back. I wanna get even. I, I want vengeance. Well, uh, P. 
Peter writes this, he says, for to this you've been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, there was no deceit found in his mouth, and yet when he was reviled, he didn't revile in return. When he suffered, he didn't threaten, but he continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. Forgiving is refusing to seek my own revenge. And I don't know about you, but there's a lot of times I want my own revenge. Do you ever? I had three little brothers, <laughs> right? I, I, my heart is still a work in progress. And there's still times I, oh, I just wish, I wish I could say this to them. I wish I could do that. You, you do that? If we all do that. But learning to forgive is refusing to seek my own revenge. It's, it's letting that go and entrusting, in, in like Jesus does, myself to him who judges justly. Paul says in Romans, repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what's honorable in the sight of all. In fact, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves. Leave it to the wrath of God, for it's written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. You really want revenge? Forgive him. <laughs> Forgive him. You know, because uh, uh, Lewis Smeeds, I think was the guy's name, he uh, he wrote about forgiveness and he says, you know, forgiveness is really, it, it's about setting a prisoner free. And that prisoner is the one who forgives. They're the ones set free. Letting go of that revenge and leaving it to the Lord. Now, uh, in saying this, it's, it's okay to seek justice, but it's not okay to get my own revenge. So, sometimes, depending on what's happened, uh, there's a responsibility uh, to seek justice. And it's okay. Uh, God has given us authorities and uh, the government and, and uh, the ability for the government to, to uh, punish wrongdoing. And it's okay. And you can forgive someone and still seek justice. You see? That's not you seeking vengeance. That's you seeking justice and what's right. And that's what God would want. In Romans 13, uh, you can read about that, that uh, the servant, uh, the, the government is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. So, so don't hear that uh, in not seeking vengeance that there's, again, uh, forgiveness is not the removal of all consequences. You can forgive and seek justice, both and. Uh, another thing forgiveness is, Forgiveness is refusing to be consumed by the past. Refusing to be consumed by the past. Uh, you know, I, I don't know about you, but there tends to be this uh, cycle in my mind at times where if I find myself wronged or I even remember a past wrong, do you ever rehearse it in your mind? And you go back over it again and again? And are you like me, like really successful in those moments? Like you win every argument the second time and the third and the fourth and even more eloquently each time that you rehearse it? 
But true forgiveness learns not to be consumed by the past, not to live there. Um, Ephesians 4, uh, don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Now, uh, the Holy Spirit can, can help you and renew your mind to not be consumed with the past. Again, forgiving isn't forgetting. You don't forget what happened. But by God's grace over time, uh, you begin to change your focus away from that and on to Christ and on to what he's done. And that begins by learning to forgive one another. And it's not a quick process. Uh, but it is wise to overlook an offense, to not get angry. In fact, it's your and my glory. Uh, the writer Proverbs says this, good sense, one makes one, good sense makes one slow to anger. And it's his glory to overlook an offense. It's good to overlook an offense. Um, you ever have a little kid just come up and do something to you and you're offended by Maybe they, they uh, spill their chocolate milk all over the front of your pants. Or they come up and, and kick you in the shin. Do you just go to that kid, you pick him up, oh, and then you haul off and deck him? <laughs> Vengeance, he got what he deserved. That's what was coming to him. Everyone around you would just look at you like, ooh, somebody call the cops, like right now. <laughs> Uh, that would be awful. No, in fact, uh, if, if you're the bigger person, y- you learn to let those things go. The bigger person learns not to take revenge, but to overlook an offense, not to dwell on the past, but to let it go. And uh, third, uh, giving, forgiving is giving to others what God has already given to me. It's giving to others what God has already given to me. See, I mean, that's really kind of the very point of this whole parable of the the debtor, isn't it? He had been forgiven so much, and yet he refused to forgive. And the thing he refused to forgive was not an insignificant offense. It was not an insignificant debt. Remember, it was was four months worth of wages. That's That's a lot of cash. But he could have forgiven it especially when uh, the one who owed it begged for forgiveness and for patience. And so when he didn't and threw him in prison and said, the, the king said, oh, should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant like I had mercy on you? Paul tells the Colossians to bear with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgive each other like the Lord's forgiven you. Like he forgave you, you must also forgive. Uh, In Luke 17, uh, Jesus says something similar to the parable we read in Matthew 18. Uh, He says, pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in the day, Seven times in a day, not like in a 24-hour period, but in the time you're awake. 
If seven times he sins against you and each time he comes back and asks for forgiveness and, re- and repents, what do you do? You forgive him. Jesus is saying that we're to be marked by this. We're to be marked by it. So uh, just as we close, how do we do it? Because Jesus told us when he taught us how to pray, uh, he said in uh, Matthew 6, 12, oh Lord, forgive us like we've forgiven our debtors. Are you able to forgive? Or, or, or what would happen, I should say, if God's forgiveness towards you was only like your forgiveness towards others? I don't know about you, but I've been in a lot of hurt over the course of my life. But by God's grace, uh, he's helped me to grow in my ability to forgive. And I, I hope he's helping you in that too. And, and so a couple, a couple ideas here for you. One uh, is pray. Ask God to help you to forgive. And, and if, it's, if it's an offense even where you're, you're tired of forgiving or you don't want to, maybe you just pray something like this. Lord, um, I don't know how to forgive this person. I don't know how to forgive this offense. And then even admit to God, God, I don't, I don't even want to forgive this person right now. But Holy Spirit, would you do your work in me and change me so that I could forgive? I give you permission to work on my heart so that I could learn to forgive like you've forgiven me. Now, it's probably not gonna happen like, you know, you open your eyes after praying and, oh, I forgive them. It's gonna be a process. But pray, ask God to help you with that. Uh, Second, um, you gotta stop keeping score. You gotta get rid of the list. Even the one in the back of your head. And again, you might need to ask, you probably do need to ask the Holy Spirit to help you with that. But Paul talks about love because see, keeping a score, keeping a list is neither forgiving or loving. And when Paul talks about love, now it's patient and kind, he says love keeps what? No record of wrongs. It doesn't forget what's happened, but it no longer holds it up all the time saying this is, I hold this against you. It's not necessarily trusting, but, but you see the difference? You gotta quit keeping score. And then uh, the other piece, you know, Jesus uh, told another parable where he is a short one and he said, you know, before, um, b- before you go uh, pointing out the speck of dirt in somebody else's eye, be sure to take notice of that plank in your own. <laughs> notice your own sin and your own sinfulness. Because we tend to uh, easily, I tend to easily see the sin in other people. How about you? But I so often either minimize or fail to see my own sin. So pray, ask God for help to forgive. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you even want to forgive. Quit keeping score, even that list in the back of your mind. And then uh, be sure to, to look in the mirror and notice your own sin and how greatly you have been forgiven. Let me pray. We're gonna sing, call it a morning.